0: Welcome to episode 376 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund keeping Champions League Hope alive with a 2-0 win against VfL Wolfsburg. But can they also keep Silverware Hope alive by beating 2nd Bundesliga side Holstein Kiel in the DFB Pokal semi-final? Question mark. We will see, uh, but we will also preview that game. Uh, for all that and more joins me Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing quite well, Stefan. How are you today?
0: I am doing uh, excellent. Thank you for asking. And I'm I'm uh, even more excited because uh, we're recording this at 6 p.m. Eastern time, which means it's midnight in Germany, which means we're getting Lars Poelman after dark.
1: Hello, Lars. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. Uh, it's <laughs> a bit like the Gremlins. So don't feed me after midnight, or whatever that that rule was. <laughs>
0: well um yeah you are up because it's draft day and uh uh as as a pets fan i'm sure you're very excited to uh i don't know uh i'm not even gonna go there because like i literally I know nothing about what draft day is I, I i've seen the movie with kevin Costner. that that's uh, all i can tell you and uh, apparently as it, he, uh then you know you, you know everything it's not <laughs> okay uh, that's good to know too so um yeah, uh, before before uh, I digress into uh, the whole Aaron Rodgers scenario, why don't we just uh, dive into the 2 uh, win against Wolfsburg?
2: Now, Holland getting in behind Brooks. Erling, Holland! Just what Borussia Dortmund wanted! Just what they needed! And Holland gives the Schwarzgelben early energy! There uh, too... Take it away, Dahoud, and look at this, Erling Haaland stretches his legs, and Haaland for the second time today. Erling Haaland, well, he can take a bow as far as all the Dortmund fans watching this are concerned. What a crucial goal that could be in the Champions League equation.
0: Yeah, obviously a clutch win. Dortmund, uh, with a tuner win and, uh, another clean sheet against, uh, Wolfsburg. If my calculations were right, I think that's the, uh, ninth, uh, straight or something crazy like that. Um, Matthias, obviously, uh, after being decimated to 10 men after Jude Bellingham got sent off in the 59th minute, um, even bigger that Dortmund got away with the result. Um, why was this game, um, Hmm, How do I put this? Um, I don't want to say less exciting, because uh, to me it was exciting, but why was um, this an easier win than I would have expected? Explain that to me.
2: Well, uh, it comes down to Wolfsburg making a lot of mental errors. I I feel... Isn't that something we talked
0: about on the pre-pod?
2: Yeah, I mean, we said if they commit a lot of mental errors, Dortmund's going to have an advantage. Um, and, but it's not really something that they're known for, but they did show it against Frankfurt. You know, I mean, that, that, that was an error-riddled match from them, and they kind of showed it in this one. Now, you look at a lot of the statistics, and it looks like Wolfsburg were the clearly better side, and they had 21 shots to Dortmund's eight. The big difference is only two of those 21 shots were actually on target, Whereas four of Dortmund's eight were, and the other thing is uh, number one shot taker for Wolfsburg, Zabavshlaga with six. <laughs> uh, then it was Maximilian Anot with three, Yannick Yat with three, and Paulo Octavio with two. So obviously, you can notice one key name that is not on that uh, leading shot total list for Wolfsburg, and that's something we did talk about pre or in the previous uh, episode was that if you can shut down the supply, and if you can shut down Maximilian Arnold, you can shut down Wout And Dortmund did exactly that. Uh, you know, their pressing was good where it needed to be. I thought Piszczek made a case for everybody going, where has he been all season long? Uh, why hasn't he been starting? Because in my opinion... I mean, it's a very small sample size, but in a small sample size, he's probably Dalton's best right back uh, on the squad. And then even if you look at passes, you know, Stefan, I'm a fan of the killer stat that tells you why you're going to lose. And that's 27 Wolfsburg crosses um, versus Dalton's 10. That just shows, once again, they were trying to feed Valtvikos, but really couldn't get there. And the other thing is, of the 21 shots, not a single shot was taken inside the six-yard box. In fact, it was almost a 50-50 split between inside the area versus long shots, whereas Dortmund, I think, had 72% of their shots were within the area, so high percentage opportunities. And, of course, um, Wolfsburg don't have Mahmoud Dahoud. So, <laughs> you know, that that says it all right there. But it really came down to very poor... Um, f- well, I wouldn't say poor finishing, poor shot shot selection overall um, questionable positioning from Wolfsburg at times and just their decision making was really not great
0: Yeah Lars, so what do you think it was that uh, hindered Wolfsburg uh, to to play to their strengths because uh, they are obviously defensively a very solid team um, but then uh, they passed the ball straight into Haaland's feet And uh, what was it, like the 12th minute and I think that ball was a little bit deflected to beat Castils. Um But I wasn't quite sure whether Dortmund were um, able to pull this sort of performance off because they needed to play very maturely. Um, But what do you think in particular Dortmund did make right to uh, come up with the stats that uh, Matthias just sort of rattled down?
1: Well, firstly, I think you could easily make the argument that it's at least partly down to the mental side for Wolfsburg now. I mean, you mentioned the nine goal, uh, nine games in a row without a goal against Dortmund. Uh, the last time a Wolfsburg player scored against Dortmund, it was Daniel Didavi in, I think, September of 2016, which is like a crazy stat for a side that hasn't been rele- relegated in that uh, time span. And even in that game, Dortmund actually ended up uh, winning 5-1. So... I think there's something to be said for that statistic somewhere down in the deep down in the minds of some of these Wolfsburg players, especially a guy like Vicos, strikers we know are quite sensitive to these things, and he's never scored against Dortmund, obviously with those uh, stats. So I think that's that's one part. I think uh, Matthias made a good point about just the mental errors and both uh, misplacing passes, you know, playing in rather pointless crosses, uh, shot selection was an issue for them, certainly, but I think you can also, uh, attribute that in no small degree to the good work by the, let's say middle block of Dortmund's defense, including to an extent, uh, as Matthias also mentioned. Um, I thought once again, Manuel Akanji, very solid performance as has been the norm for a few weeks now. Uh, didn't miss a beat without Mats Hummels. I think John had like one mistake where he gave away a corner fairly early in the game and that was basically it. So he didn't really uh, make any larger errors, which he's been known for over the last few weeks or months even. Basically the entire season, if you're honest. Uh, Dahoud, once again, brilliant. Bellingham had a bit of an off day for his uh, lofty standards for a 17-year-old. I think Uh, the sending off, kind of a bit of a coaching blunder by Terzic. I guess he wanted to keep him on because of the the fifth booking anyways, because he's going to get some rest fairly soon. But uh, I think that was pretty obvious uh, opportunity to uh, make a halftime substitution. But in the end, I think you could once again argue, which is this kind of age-old debate that uh, going down to uh, 10 men, maybe didn't help Dortmund necessarily in their performance, but it certainly didn't help Wolfsburg to have uh, more possession against 10 men in in numerous advantage. So ultimately, uh, like, especially during the games, the German commentator anyway, I don't know obviously about the uh, US or UK commentary, but the German commentator was going on and on about how Wolfsburg were playing well enough to earn a result. And, and I mean, as Matthias pointed out, they basically had no chances whatsoever. I mean, uh, Paulo Otávio was uh, snatched at that early volley-ish. I mean, that's why he's a left back and not an attacking player. Uh, and and from then on, I think it was one of the more comfortable days in the office for Marvin Hitz. So uh, I would say very much a mature performance by Dortmund, as at least as much as Wolfsburg just didn't have a great day. And to be honest. Uh, Wolfsburg's great day seemed to have run out a bit because if you look at their performance against Bayern it was okay but uh, Kuhn Castells who's a really solid goalkeeper basically made two huge errors in that game you already mentioned the Frankfurt game so feels a bit like they are uh, bullying up on smaller sides these days but all the big games seem to go against them and that's how uh, they went from an eleven point advantage over Dortmund just like a month ago to two points and it looking perhaps more likely than not that uh Dortmund might be able to get past them. Yeah, yeah. Uh I, I think I, I did make a
0: joke about toothless wolves, also because I think Vikhorst uh, uh lost a two four now was Brooks I think in in a challenge with uh, Monier or something like that. Um but um yeah, what what? obviously this is going to be uh, the most re- revisionist take I'll give now. But I think that the sending off of Bellingham in a weird way did help Dortmund because I think it sort of sharpened their minds that they, that every player had to give a bit more to make up for that, to compensate for uh, the lost man, And I think that actually did help Dortmund, and especially in the way they played because they could sit on that 1-0 lead and um, I think they were quite comfortable um for Wolfsburg to sort of try to attack and not really find many ways to really threaten Dortmund. then obviously that uh, that pass by Dahoud was just outrageous. Uh, That's (laughs) that's a dime if you have ever seen one. And uh, if you have a player like Haaland who then has the legs um, to convert that into a goal, that's even better. I actually, I I felt like uh, maybe this is sort of the the moment where uh, the equalizer is coming, but uh, uh, nope, Uh, it was... uh, Dortmund making it to nothing, and then I was rather confident that they would actually see it through. Um, Matthias, uh, I think today is the first day where it really hit me that uh, I actually felt a sense of sadness that uh, yes, Lukas Pisek is actually going to leave Borussia Dortmund, as he was, uh, I think, quoted uh, somewhere uh, about talking about his uh, uh, next club in, in Poland, which is, I think, some lower division team where he would just, you know, goof around a little bit, I guess. Um, but I think having him back in the team, uh, really is a big boost for Dortmund. You know, just like Sancho is on the other end, um, because he is um very intelligent and knows when to step on the ball a little bit. I think he even from the right back position sometimes dictated Dortmund's rhythm a little bit and helped them not to run into every or well, attempt. counter-attack out of every turnover I think that really helped and obviously um, he was not error prone in uh, all the minutes we have seen him play uh, obviously in his career and in the Dortmund shirt he has uh, been error prone uh, from time to time but right now he is uh, doing really well. Um, Do you think this is down to Tasic sort of uh, doing a lot of things by uh, trial and error where um, he sort of burnt through Meunier and uh, Morey because I think he wasn't too happy with uh, M- Morey either because he gave away a couple of situations that Tessic wasn't happy with uh, if I remember correctly from his news conferences. So, um, what what do you make of this uh, late return to the season of uh, Lukas Pisek?
2: Yeah, I think it can be attributed to well, let's try this because obviously Lukas Pisek over the last, oh eighteen 18 months uh, prior to this uh, short match run, even though Lucien Favre really didn't get a look in anymore. I mean, there was always somebody else. I mean, before it was Hakimi. And then maybe he slotted in as the third center back in a back three. But other than that, he really wasn't looked at anymore as a reliable right back for obvious reasons, you know, his age and his pace and stuff like that. But what was shown with um, versus Morey and Meunier is just that Piszczek... And both of those players are not speed demons. I mean, that's the one thing. It's not like you're talking about Hakimi. I mean, I don't think, yes, probably Pichek would lose a foot race against Meunier or Moret, but I'm not even 100% sure if that's the case. So if you're pretty close on pace, that's where the maturity, the positioning, honestly, the crossing, because, yeah, uh, the other ones are not necessarily the greatest crossers, even though Meunier is not that bad. Moret, that's an area of the game he still needs to work on. And I think given the situation, given the importance of these matches to have someone with his experience, his obvious ability still, um, and leadership qualities, especially when you're missing a Matsomas in the back four, can only benefit the team. And yeah, I think Tez is just like, okay, let's try him versus throwing Emre can there, which obviously wasn't an option here with... Um, you know the the lack of players in central uh, defense, and so I'm glad he did it, and I'm I'm really happy it worked out uh, because obviously Lukas Pishek is forever a Borussia Dortmund legend.
0: Yeah, Lars, uh if you want to chime in on uh, Pishek being back, uh, be my guest because I feel like uh, it 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 would be unbecoming as a host to 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 uh, not ask you.
1: Well, first of all. Um Pischek is actually setting a Bundesliga all-time record. Apparently, I mean, it's not like I fact-check these things, but um, <laughs> I think it—I think it was Opta tweeting out that he, uh, having won all nine Bundesliga games, he was involved in this season. That's apparently a Bundesliga record. Seems kind of low to me, but then again, uh, you know, most of the time players don't only get involved in nine matches for teams that win a lot. So uh, that. I think it's more coincidence than, you know, all down to a an aging right back. Uh obviously he's playing well right now. Um Terzic actually said today in the in, in in the press conference that uh, Pishik had a number of physical issues, so maybe he wanted to bring him uh, into the team a bit earlier than he was able to ultimately. I do think uh, having a lot of downtime, if you like, this season probably helped keep Piszczek's leg fre- legs fresh for uh, this uh, end part of the season. Um, personally, I think I'm a lot higher on Matteo Moré than most people seem to be, uh, which you know is fair enough. He still makes a lot of mistakes, but I definitely see the, the potential. And I think... Pretty much everyone is also in agreement that uh, Thomas Munier is not the answer. So uh, <laughs> to to me, uh, it would have been nice to see or, or you know good to gauge whether Pischek would have had this kind of impact earlier in the season. But apparently that wasn't really an option. Um, still thinking that you know he won't be able to play uh, 270 more Bundesliga minutes plus. Uh, if that so happens, uh, 180 or more minutes in the cup. So you are still uh, likely to see, I guess now Meunier is a bit ahead of Morey again. I mean, at least he came off the bench a few times. Maybe that's down just to size and his, uh, in theory anyway, uh, ability in the air. I mean, the only aerial duel I can remember is where he made uh, John Brooks lose a teeth, as you said. But still, um, yeah, I mean, Pischek definitely a Dortmund legend but I think people are a bit uh, going a bit out of uh, order by demanding basically that Dortmund sign into another contract extension I think uh, knowing that this is the end maybe pushes uh, him to heights that perhaps he wouldn't be able to accomplish if he was still a major part of this squad.
0: Yeah, also maybe we're not used to seeing this sort of baseline that he can give considering Thomas Mini has been quite atrocious and uh Moray and I, I agree with you, I totally also see the potential, but there's also uh some inconsistency obviously. And uh yeah, uh Pischek obviously it's only a small sample size and uh I don't wanna jinx him <laughs> because uh he has made some boneheaded passes into midfield too in the in the past. But Matthias, um speaking of boneheadedness, um here's a turnaround that I'm also very pleased about and uh, quite honestly did not predict and this Giorena, Arena, because when we talk about the mature performance against Wolfsburg um we obviously have to add him in there because I think if I'm not mistaken his his positioning and his um discipline in terms of you know tracking back and all these kinds of you know sort of baseline boxes you need to tick they were ticked so what do you make of uh, the resurgence back to form by Gio Reina who uh, really looked quite out of sorts for quite a long time
2: well i mean i'm i'm not quite ready to say he's back um because still a kid and you know two matches a season not make uh he Very he true. definitely is playing better than uh, he has been previously. And he's doing all the things right that he was rightfully criticized for before, including his body language. And before there were so many times when the ball would be lost in the attacking third. And it's like, he would just, slump his shoulders, and just kind of trot back. And obviously, Known as Pulisic syndrome. (laughs) Yes, Pulisic or Rafael Guerrero syndrome. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, And, and I feel like Guerrero had that again, and now for the last few matches, I haven't seen that as an issue anymore. And those are key aspects, because obviously if you're pressing and you want to press, but you also need some type of compactness, you can't have players on the wing not tracking back and leaving you completely isolated. Um, so, no, it's it's great to see it. Uh, hopefully it continues for the rest of the season, and that's a confidence builder through the summer and into next season because, obviously, the older he gets, the more mature he gets, the better he gets. Now, that wasn't necessarily the case with Christian Pulisic at Dortmund at the end where I feel like his worst season was his last season. Um, Gio Reyna, but his head was also somewhere completely different already at that point. I think Gio Reyna hopefully can add to that maturity, but there are still plenty of times, especially prior to the last two games where he really looked and acted like a teenager out there. And, and that's something like, for instance, Jude Bellingham, even though there are moments of teenage petulance, uh, when things aren't going well, but that's more frustration. Jude Bellingham seems significantly more mature for longer stretches in a game than someone who's a, one or two years older than him. So it's just something to keep an eye on that, especially me as a U.S. Men's National Team fan, just kind of, eh, I, I need to see a little bit more of that because obviously when he plays for someone other than Borussia Dortmund, like the U.S. Men's National Team, you're never going to be the favorite and you're always going to be running behind. So it's, it's just something I want to see more of. So we'll see how the next few matches go when it's really crunch time. Yeah, I mean,
0: to me, it, it Dortmund sort of brought this upon themselves that uh, right now already is crunch time. I mean, they are the only team, if I have this correct, that won all three games from the English Woche and uh, thus uh, kept themselves within the conversation, obviously Bayer Leverkusen, uh, did beat Eintracht Frankfurt. So that means we're now one point behind Frankfurt and two points behind Wolfsburg. If you look at the run-ins... Uh, Frankfurt do play against Mainz, then Schalke and Freiburg and Wolfsburg play against Union Berlin, then Leipzig and then Mainz and Dortmund do play next Leipzig, then Mainz, then Leverkusen. So the uh, <laughs> common theme is that Mainz will in one way or another decide the Champions League fate of uh, one of these uh, three teams. Last. Obviously, the theme of this Dortmund season is as soon as I gain confidence and hope that they can do anything, they would just collapse in the most ridiculous way and uh, have freak results. Do you think we are past this point now? Because uh, it really is sort of uh, on, the, on the deadline now. There's literally no room for error. And uh, as a writer, I sort of respect that That uh, they are trying to fight it very late to the deadline. Um but in 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 more honesty if you look at these uh, uh f- games these three games left um with the cup competitions in between for Dortmund and uh, Leipzig i think um what what do you make of Dortmund's chances to actually clinch the fourth or third or whatever place
1: it's going to be well do i think Dortmund's topsy turviness is over uh, absolutely <laughs> not i mean uh we've seen too many games this season and if we're honest, uh, too many games over the last few years to just assume that because they've beaten a few teams in a row uh, none of which posed necessarily on the day anyway uh, a major threat to them And unless I'm completely blanking on something, I don't quite think so Um, so I think if we look at Dortmund's chances I think they are more likely to be in Wolfsburg or Frankfurt having a couple of shocking results because I definitely think Dortmund aren't going to win all three games it's basically just looking at you know the numbers and playing playing the odds. Uh, Dortmund's four wins in a row are already a season high and I can't really predict any way that they will stretch that to seven wins and, and maybe even eight across competitions that just doesn't seem I guess the Man City games would be in between but still uh, you know such a lengthy stretch of good results if not always good performance uh, I just doesn't seem likely to me so uh, they probably need to hope that um, Wolfsburg who seem even though Frankfurt also lost uh, against Leverkusen and against uh, Gladbach beforehand, but still Wolfsburg to me seem a bit more brittle and obviously Frankfurt have the freebie against Schalke, which basically eliminates one of the three opportunities. So I, I, I really think that Dortmund do have a chance, but mostly because I don't see Wolfsburg gaining, you know, more than maybe four points. So two wins for Dortmund, I'm not even sure about the goal difference, but that might be enough. Yeah, I mean, goal difference is important and
0: uh, I-, I said it before, Dortmund need to win by two goals because that means they will have a better goal difference um, than Voicebook. Uh, now, Matthias, obviously, um, I think it was Schmatke who said that when he looks at the run-in uh, of Dortmund, then he's sort of doubting that uh, they will uh, make up those two points. First of all, this is a quote that you hang into the locker room and uh, second of all, do you think he's oh, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, no. I, I just, I, I think it's, I mean, Schmutka is known for just saying shit. I mean, that's, that's kind of his thing. Uh, <laughs> he just says things without really thinking about it too much. He may be a good sporting director, but sometimes he just says crap. For and he's a, you know, he's not an easy guy to work with. I mean, he's burned bridges pretty much everywhere he's worked. But that is, that is definitely pin up in the locker room type of talk. Uh, As motivation. And then, you know, it does add some pressure on voice books, coaching staff and players who like, okay, don't screw this up. Um, And if you look at the run in, of course, theoretically, don't want to have the harder schedule. Okay. But, uh, you know, you never know what Leverkusen is going to be. I mean, they're always good for conceding three, just as much as they're good for, con- for scoring well, five. Well, if you want
0: to play Leverkusen, it's on um, the final match day, because that's yeah. how, how you know, that that's yeah. usually where they mess up.
2: Correct, because odds are by then it'll be locked in that they're in the Europa League, or they're in the Europa Conference League? Europa League? I don't even know what sixth place is anymore these days. Uh, either way, they're sixth. <laughs> Because they probably won't be caught from below. Well, who, who, so, who knows?
0: They might have to. They might have to play true. Dortmund for fifth place. <laughs> so it's it true. can all happen.
2: No, but I I just don't see that happening. I think the buffer between Dortmund and and uh, Leverkusen is big enough that there's not going to be much left for them to play at that point. But possibly everything for Dortmund, and that obviously look at Bayern. They've completely shut off, and they're playing like it. So that could happen with Leverkusen. Uh, obviously Mainz are going to be very difficult because they're still in that relegation fight and Leipzig are very, very good. Granted, now they're also a little bit in flux with their coach leaving, which is kind of an interesting dynamic right now with a few of these teams uh, around Dortmund. And if you then look at Wolfsburg, they have to play Union Berlin, which is going to be very, very difficult for them. A team that doesn't allow a ton of scoring opportunities against a team that doesn't score a lot of goals. So that... That could be a definite slip-up. Mainz could be a slip-up, and obviously Leipzig is one as well because Nagelsmann will have taken a very close look at how Dortmund was able to do what they did and what Frankfurt did. So for Schmutke to say something that exceedingly overconfident and arrogant, I just think is not a smart look right now.
0: Yeah, Lars, uh, you probably know this because I do not know, but when is the cup final scheduled? Because I know it's not after the Bundesliga has finished, so it must be in between maybe uh, Dortmund's matches be- uh, against uh, uh, Mainz and Leverkusen.
1: Is, is that, is that wh- when it's happening? Uh, it's May 13th, so the Thursday before the penultimate Bundesliga match day, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe with that in mind, that's maybe what Schmattke meant.
0: Um, but uh, either way, if if I were in, in, in his shoes, I probably wouldn't have said that. <laughs> because what positive can come out of this other than jinxing your own side? But um, yeah, uh, it's it's obviously very in- in- intriguing now. And uh, it's uh, good for us because we have A, something to talk about and B, something uh, st- still left to play for. And that's obviously uh, always more exciting than being uh, already that set in midfield or you know your your league campaign is already over because you already qualified uh and can't you know you're already like in second place but can't get to first or something like that so um at least there's that um now matthias i think uh we we can move on to the match against holstein kiel on saturday and uh right now we're in a situation where kiel after having had to quarantine due to uh some uh COVID-19 infections, um, now I have to play sort of Englische Wochen. Meanwhile, Dortmund had a whole week of rest and uh, you can talk about Kiel maybe being in, in, in rhythm or whatnot. Um, what are you making of, of this matchup? Because um, it's obviously a cup semi-final, and I feel like that this is sort of the time where favorite teams uh, like Dortmund uh, do not really uh, screw up anymore. Um, what what are you making of this? And uh, when when you talk, then I'll I'll tell you who uh, will actually be to to get into the uh, semifinal, minus obviously Bayern, because that that we all know. But I think that was in the in yeah. the third round already, on on the second round, which uh,
2: it was pretty early. Yeah, it was pretty early. Uh, I want to say it was third round, but it could be no. Wrong. It was it was
0: second round. The uh, it I, was? I have okay. it in front of me. Yeah, they they. Uh, uh they they, they uh, won against Rila Singh in the, in the first round then uh, Bayern uh, beating them on penalties then beating Darmstadt on penalties then having uh, in the last round a rather uh, comfortable three nothing win against uh, Rot-Weiss Essen so there you go
2: so basically they only played a bunch of no name teams. Yeah. Um including <laughs> <Andy Bion. Lezing>. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, I, you know the the thing for Kiel, it's interesting. We've got two teams playing against each other that have a lot to play for. I mean Kiel have three matches in hand versus the three teams ahead of them in the table and are only 2 points behind Hamburg who once again dropped points today uh, uh for promotion. So they are they are absolutely in the midst of a promotion and even potential direct automatic promotion to the Bundesliga race, which is huge. And they just played on Tuesday, I believe. Yeah, one all draw against uh, Nürnberg. So, you know, they're going to be a little bit more tired. You could almost say that. Let's let's try to talk this. Let, let's try to talk Dortmund up by right. talking them down in terms of uh, having some rest or not. Dortmund, I think, needed the rest. Kiel, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, what their match load was in the last few weeks. I, I try to catch the Zweite Bundesliga games. They show on ESPN Plus. Uh, they show one or two a week, but it's not always possible because it's like at five in the morning, and that's just not always happening on the weekends. But uh, Kiel are a team that I would not take lightly. You know, I, I get kind of Union Berlin when they were in the second Bundesliga and played Dortmund in the cup. Type vibes. Not saying Kiel or like Union Berlin, but in terms of this could be a really uncomfortable game uh, for for Dortmund if they're not careful. If they take it at all on the light shoulder, if they don't, if they take it as seriously as any key match as they should, then they really should beat Kiel relatively comfortably. But it's not. But if their mentality isn't right then this could be a very uncomfortable day on Twitter for everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's Matthias already saying he's going to lock off around the 70th minute. Um, <laughs>
2: but yeah, in all seriousness, I
0: think if Dortmund bring a mentality um, to this game, like they sometimes show in the Champions League, um, then I think they will just walk all over Kiel. Uh but that being said, I also did not watch a lot of uh, Holstein Kiel this season, to be honest, because uh, I don't really uh, have the opportunity to watch Zweite Bundesliga. Um, I did watch the uh, Hamburg game just uh, earlier today because that was on ESPN Plus and uh, it was not in uh, in in, uh, in the wee morning hours. So uh, Lars, I think you are my best shot for some insight on this team. Uh, so what do you got?
1: Well, it's possibly a yellow wall pot first, but I'm actually uh, happy to talk about a team I like watching uh, that is (laughs) in Dortmund. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, for work-related reasons, I've gone into the second Bundesliga a lot more over the last, uh, let's say, two or three years. And to be honest, I can count on one hand the teams that are more fun to watch, over the, this time in the second division, including teams that have been promoted, like uh, Bielefeld, who were great in the second division, or Stuttgart, uh, that were more fun than, than Holstein Kiel. Uh, it's not a side with a lot of huge names, even though there are some uh, people, player, uh, players people will know. For example, Finn Bartels, uh, formerly of Werder Bremen, uh, scored a couple of good goals against Dortmund uh, in, in his time. They have without a sliver of doubt in my mind, the singular best player in the second division in uh, Lee jae Song, a uh, great attacking midfielder from uh, Korea, definitely uh, undermatched, if you like, in the second division. I mean, he could literally start for anyone in the Bundesliga outside Dortmund, Bayern and Leipzig, in my opinion. Uh, maybe not a great stylistic fit, but that's the kind of quality he has. I mean, I can't stress enough how good he is and how ridiculous it is that uh, he's playing in the second division. And there were there were rumours that he was going to sign for Offenheim, which wouldn't have been good enough for him, in my opinion. And those rumours apparently false and he's looking more to cash in with a transfer to England. He's not the youngest player anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean they turn they out good coaches. Uh, people might know Tim Walter, who then had a failed spell at Stuttgart for his radical approach. Uh, his successor, Ole Werner, one of the youngest uh, coaches in pro football in Germany. Uh, people might remember that I told Gladbach to sign him back when we had the Marco Rose emergency pot. Uh, that's how much I think of him. So, I, I don't know that they are going to get promoted because they've really been shafted quite a bit with this uh, COVID situation. Uh, obviously, Hamburg being shite obviously helps. So there's still hope uh, because I think the Kiel definitely deserve it on balance of the last, let's say, 18 to 24 months. I think they have been the most interesting, uh, most rewarding to watch side in the second division. Uh All that praise being said, I don't really see how they trouble Dortmund too much. Um, Unless, of course, Dortmund still shit the bed against a second division side, which we've seen in the cup so many times. You know, just think back to uh, the almost debacle against Paderborn. And Kiel, as people might deduce from my praise, is a much better side than Paderborn.
0: Yeah, no. Without a doubt, I mean they do have uh, a top scorer whose name is Alexander Mülling. And uh, last, I've seen him float in and out of the starting lineup. Um, do you know why that is? That uh, the guy who He's is the penalty taker. Ah, okay, so so that, that takes, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so otherwise and I and, think
1: they, and they don't have uh, you know they don't really have a great scoring striker. I mean former Dortmund youth player Gianni Serra Uh, usually leads that line and he's more of a uh, in germany would say körper uh, klaus depreciatively so he's he's big and lumbering and good in the air but not really you know too big of a scoring threat but he did score against uh nuremberg the equalizer on when was it was that wednesday
0: i think it was tuesday but i don't
2: know i honestly don't it was tuesday okay so yeah anyway uh, Finn Bal is
0: in there as well a player I today already compared to uh, a Max Kruse Max Kruse-ish player uh, is in uh, the sense that uh, he is uh, a cheeky player I think uh, very intelligent um, obviously not the fastest player but uh, he makes Uh, a a lot of good decisions he's
1: are you I mean if you're comparing Finn Bartels to Max Kruse, the first thing that comes to my mind is how much of a pace advantage Bartels has, even at his age and after a lot of injuries. So I don't see how uh, you would describe him as not being the fastest because he's definitely miles faster than Max Kruse. Yes,
0: yes. But but I, I was basically going for uh, the, the, the footballing IQ, even though, uh, if I remember, the Union Berlin game, Max Kruse was not really anywhere prominently seen to be honest against Dortmund But uh that that uh I, I, I digress. I'm I'm just I'm just saying that um you know yes he is faster than Max Kruse, yes, um but uh my point is that uh he is he is a smart player and uh that's good on Kiel I guess. And uh the one player I do not want to see score uh is Fabian Reese who is obviously a starke youth product even though I think he was born in Kiel. Um Matthias, anything else you can uh, contribute on the whole Kiel question or do you just want to uh, talk me through the Dortmund lineup and who you think will replace Moda Houd? because he's obviously suspended for this game after picking up a double yellow against Gladbach in that uh, 1-0 uh, grind that was uh, back in the uh, quarter final when all the uh, heat was on uh, Gladbach and Marco Rose and all that stuff.
2: Well, if you're not going to play Moda Hoot, I think Bellingham's suspension is only for Bundesliga matches, right? Correct.
0: It's not like uh, in in the Premier League and DFA where these sort of
2: intersect. Yeah, so obviously Bellingham's going to start. Um, I I think you could make a case for pairing up up with Delaney. I mean, you're going to play a 4-3-3 midfield. I mean, you could even then drop Julian Brandt into that central midfield position if you're looking for uh, a bit more of a creative outlet, because whether it's Bellingham or Delaney or John, I mean, they're not exactly the, the creators necessarily uh, when it comes to passing, they don't compare to Mo So maybe you put uh, Bellingham in that type of, uh, sorry, Bellingham in Brandt, maybe in that type of position to replace Dahoud as your more creative central midfielder. But uh, I would definitely start Bellingham. I would ideally start Delaney in, in a th- you know three-man central midfield. Then you know it's kind of a toss-up. Do you want to play Chan in there? Or do you want to play um, uh, Brandt? Because, of course, Mats Hummels is back. Uh, so I th- I reckon the back four is going to be the same, except Hummels is playing instead of Emre Can. And then in attacking, I would start with the same four players that played against Wolfsburg. So I'd play Reina, Royce. Sancho and Holland I mean they've had a full week of rest so you may as well put them out there
0: yeah I think this would also be my lineup uh Lars uh,
1: any uh any tweaks you would make uh seems to me like this wouldn't would be an opportunity to not stretch Lukasz Piszczek's legs too much so uh I wouldn't be surprised if Morey or indeed Meunier got another chance at right back. And I mean, if we're talking about, uh, you know, mentality being key as to not letting Kiel believe that they have a real chance, uh, I don't know that putting on Julian Brandt would be my first move. Uh, (laughs) I could honestly see uh, them introduce uh, Togan Azar and playing either Reyna or even Royce in a more of a attacking-minded eight uh, kind of role, because obviously uh, you will have so much possession that whichever players play ahead of uh, the shielding defensive midfielder will basically be attacking players, so might as well just put someone there. And I, I believe, even though I can't really put my thing uh, finger on it, that they've experimented with that kind of... Line up, uh, be that Reina or Royce in a, on paper more defensive role.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a good shout. Um, I don't I don't know why, but I just have a feeling that uh, Haaland will just destroy Kiel, even though it's a home match. <laughs> um, but that I think will contribute uh, at, at least in theory should help Dortmund if they're uh, ready to play to uh, really pick Kiel apart because Dortmund really have a. Have an amazing pitch, and uh, in in these sort of games, this can be a big advantage if you utilize it, and especially when Jaden Sancho is back and uh, he's, uh, you know, jamming uh, up with uh, Guerrero and whatnot on on the left side, then uh, that that should be a fun game. Uh, I'm I'm really hoping that uh, Dortmund are making this an easy one to watch, and it's not going to be. Uh, a nail-biter or something where they just uh, let a lead slip or something stupid. I I, I just really hope that we'll see a uh, focused performance for 90 minutes a bit like uh, Dortmund showed against Wolfsburg. I, I thought that was uh, a very good example of them actually doing this Um, so why not again? <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, obviously with the cup there's always the question, do you make a change in goal because uh Oftentimes, that was where Marvin Hitz got a run out. Now, Matthias, why is it that uh, <laughs> the uh, dubbed Nullbock Birki, uh, which uh, Zork and Tessic were not too happy about, um, why is it that he is not getting the knot for the cup match to maybe redeem himself or, you know, play his final game as a Dortmund keeper if it comes to that, which we may talk about in a second?
2: I'll be honest. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I haven't made it a big mystery. My opinion of Bukki versus hits. Um, so I just, I don't understand it. Um, I mean, there were a few questions on, on Twitter today about it. And I said, you know, it must be something offside the pitch because if you're looking at the play on the pitch, it it's hard for me personally. And obviously there are people that'll disagree and that's totally legit to me. Bukki the better keeper than Mavin hits. And so I don't understand it unless it's something off the pitch, unless it's a decision up. We want to move on from Buki. We want to sell him. And so there's some kind of an issue there, personality clash-wise, uh, because under Favre, Buki was pretty much always starting. Um, and then Tazic comes in, a less experienced coach, and he makes that change, which is a big call. Goalkeeper change is a big call. And so I don't... I don't understand it because I'm not in the locker room. Obviously, Tezic and Soak uh, reacted quite annoyed by the headline that Roman buki isn't really practicing well. He's not in the mood anymore. And, you know, there were reports that Dortmund are willing to sell him for just 5 million euros. Uh, so I I don't know. I personally don't understand the situation because I'm also not in the locker room and I feel like there's something there that's determining this beyond versus who's the better goalkeeper. Because for me personally, there's no question that Bürki is a better keeper than Marvin Hitz.
0: Yeah, that's what are you making of this situation. And uh, maybe uh, if you want to add to this, uh, Dortmund have been in recent days been uh, heavily linked with uh, Stuttgart's uh, Korbel. Do you think that uh, he's a better keeper than Roman Bürki and that would make a good transfer?
1: Yes, but uh, I'll get back to that. Um, I do agree that it's quite peculiar, the entire situation with Burke and Hidson. And uh, I would say that Lucien Favre definitely has some, uh, quote unquote, blood on his hands because he opened Pandora's box uh, in late autumn or whenever that was when he uh, made a switch but never committed to anything and it was all up in the air and... Uh, I think we've all seen how reliant Burkey even more so than most goalkeepers, is on his uh, psyche and you know, confidence in his own abilities, which I don't think there's much of a debate that, you know, on paper Bürki is the quite significantly better or more talented goalkeeper than Marvin Hitz. Uh, but I do believe that one can easily make the argument that uh, while Berkey's performances definitely uh, made way for a coach, uh, for a coach's decision to uh, switch goalkeepers to Hits just for the sake of you know, not having this uh, level of uh, regular incompetence that Berkey showed at the time, uh, while that was the case that back then, I don't think that Hits has necessarily made uh, the same you know amount and, and level of blunder all the time at the same time i do believe that uh, hits has made enough mistakes for uh, burkey to get a chance to win his spot back but seeing that he hasn't uh there's either something off the field i can buy matthias's theory or he's just not practicing well i mean that's that's something that's at least in the realm of possibility in my opinion so uh i think what they like about hits is he's a bit more confident with the feet and he's definitely a better communicator uh, which obviously we can now judge much better seeing as sadly there's still no fans and you can basically hear his every command and you could hear uh, burkey's commands which were fewer and far between uh, and I think that's also kind of a segue to what they would like in Kobel because he's also better than Burki with the ball at his feet. And he's a great communicator in that Stuttgart backline. Uh, he bellows his commands really quite intensely. I mean, obviously, you know, volume is not the, the most important factor in that, but certainly something that catches your attention these days anyway. For, for me, it, it is anyway. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's uh, con- being considered, if he says at Stuttgart to be the next captain, because obviously former Dortmund player Gonzalo Castro is not getting a new contract. And I think uh, goalkeepers being captains does have more tradition than... Recent examples uh, in, in in the Bundesliga, anyway. I don't I don't know that many of these decisions for goalkeepers have gone that well. Just look at Schalke's Alexander Nübel debacle. And from from a pure goalkeeping perspective, I think Kobel probably isn't as good as someone like Peter Gulacsi, who Dortmund also have been regularly linked with. But the entire package, including you know age and potential going forward. It's definitely something i could get behind uh i have heard and, and i mean it's been reported all over anyway that dortmund are really quite intensively trying to sign Kobel, but i don't know that they have the kind of money lying around especially if they happen to not make the champions league to invest what uh, according to reports will amount to a transfer fee north of uh, 15 or 16 million euros in a goalkeeper in a non-Champions League season. So while I would definitely approve of signing Kobel, I don't think that it's feasible without Mürke leaving in the first place. And I don't see how he has any kind of market. And without Champions League money, uh, it really becomes a proposition that's hard to uh, fathom from a Dortmund perspective.
0: Yeah, but if that happens, Matthias, I feel like there's going to be a cleanup on aisle one because then if, say, Dortmund cannot get a, you know, feasible replacement for Bürki and, uh, you know, you can't just buy another goalkeeper. It needs to be of a certain standard, obviously. Otherwise, uh, this entire thing does not make sense. So, um, how do you patch this thing back together if Dortmund indeed are, uh, fiscally impotent to buy a new goalkeeper.
2: Well, thankfully, there's a new coach coming into town and new coaches bring a uh, a fresh wind (laughs) with them and changes in new opportunities and new evaluations for everybody in the squad. So it's like uh, it's a reset for a lot of the players that are going to be staying around that uh, they have the opportunity to kind of start fresh again. And so if it wasn't – if Marco Rosa wasn't coming in, if, say, Edith Terzic, they would have said, hey, you're going to be our coach for next season, then you're in a completely untenable situation. As it is right now, I don't think you are because you're getting a new coaching staff coming in and a new head coach coming in. So if they're not able to make this happen, which uh, I just find it funny that apparently only Swiss keepers can play for Borussia Dortmund anymore these days <laughs> – Uh, that, um, uh, even though that makes me happy, of course, I feel that there's still, it's not all lost because it's not, the bridges aren't burnt in that sense because you have new eyes on the situation and maybe a new approach that if Buki does stay and they don't bring in a new keeper, that maybe the new approach can help rebuild some of that and rebuild some of his confidence because I agree hundred percent with Las that Buki is definitely a confidence keeper. He's a head. He's a head to keeper, like a lot of keepers are. You know, it's confidence is a big thing. When he had confidence in the last few years of with his back line, he was one of the best keepers in the Bundesliga. He made very few mistakes. If you think back to the season of the two Peters, there were there were a lot of issues there. There were a lot of issues in rotation of the back line, and he forced himself and made a lot of mistakes. And you can kind of see the same thing this season. So um, that that's kind of my take on that. If he does stick around, new coaching staff, it's not the end of the world. But obviously for all parties, I think it's probably best to kind of move on at this point.
1: Yeah. Uh, I have a short rebuttal, if if you will. Sure. Um, it, it is a new coaching staff, but uh, like most bundesliga sites, I don't know about other leagues, uh, Dortmund are not going to change goalkeeper coaches. And Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, usually, um, head coaches kind of trust the evaluation of the goalkeeper coach and Obviously, in Dortmund, it's Matthias Kleinsteiber, who's been involved uh, with Bürki and Hitz for years now. So I would not necessarily assume that uh, a new head coach makes too much of a difference in that specific position. But obviously, ultimately, the call goes to Marco Rose. And uh, I mean, obviously, if they can't sign a replacement, they're not going to let Roman Bürki go in the first place because there's no possible situation where they end up with Marvin Hitz as their default number one and Luca Unbehauen or Stefan Drillatza as the, <laughs> the number two so, yeah, so that's how it's pronounced <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming um, so if if that uh, happens to be the case then for sure Berkey is going to get a shot at winning back his job but I I think Matthias put it best that for all sides involved, it would be best if Bürki found another opportunity for himself and Dortmund got a fresh start. And, and if that's the case, then I think Ko will, as I said, from an age perspective, also uh, potential and, and all that makes the most sense out of the uh, plethora of rumors that we've gotten over the last, I mean, what is it now, six months or so?
0: Yeah, yeah, a million rumors. Um, but yeah, if, if you hadn't said it, I would have uh, said it myself. I feel like Dortmund maybe need a goalkeeper coach who uh, has indoctrinated the art of leaving the line. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think we can leave it here, especially since, uh, Lars' power nap time is coming up, but not without a prediction for the cup match. So Lars, uh, why
1: don't you go first? Uh, since it's Dortmund against a second division side in this year's cup season, it's going to be a bit more of a nail-biter than you, Stefan, wanted, but ultimately it's going to be a 3-1 win for Dortmund and, I don't know, Berlin final shirts without fans in the stands would be kind of corny, right? Totally, but uh, you know, you, can, you, you have to make the best
0: out of it. Um, Matthias, what's your prediction?
2: Uh, I'm going to go with the same goal difference, but a different score line. I think Dortmund are going to have another clean sheet and win this one two nil.
0: Okay, uh, you you kind of took the suspense out of it once you mentioned clean sheet, but fair enough, Matthias. Um, so uh, <laughs> my wife just texted me, quote, "I think I outdid myself with dinner tonight," so uh, that's certainly my cue. So I'm predicting a five nothing win. Um, because uh, how how else am I going to jinx this if I'm going to Per- maintain any influence this is this is the only way i can so that all being said um i thank you both for coming on uh you can find Lars at Lars poem on twitter you can find matthias at matthias Huck on twitter you can find me at stefan butzko on twitter and all of us at yellow wall on twitter and facebook if you want to subscribe to the show please do that via youtube itunes stitcher soundcloud spotify etc. And if you want to support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall and uh, we shall be back with uh, a preview of the Leipzig game and obviously a review of uh, how Dortmund moved to the German Cup Final. Until then, uh, as always, thank you for listening and good.